All right, this is a huge honor for me, Mary T. Maher, our plant now, but um, I appreciate you joining the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's always humbling that someone still wants to talk to me. <laughs> well, listen, the reason why I want to talk to you is because I, I record history in a way, in the swimming history. I've, I've started this podcast and I've been talking to people throughout the history of the sport who have made major impacts on the sport. But none more than you. Like, I don't know if you realize this, but me growing up in Australia and being in the sport for 30 years, I think I heard your name more than any other person I'd never met before in the, in the history of the sport. You were like this mythical creature. Do you know that? No. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I had a lot of success. And, you know, the further away you get from it, the more you understand Um Wow, I I did something um, amazing, I guess, and I don't know how I did it or you know how I got so lucky, but um, I'm I'm so grateful for the experiences I had in the pool. No doubt, no doubt, you you made a huge impact on on the swimming world, swimming history. So um, you know, take credit for that. It's it's a fantastic achievement in that sense. But it wasn't until I really dug into why and how like i was looking at it this morning kind of doing a little bit of research for this because i'm like brett like you can't just walk in and say well i've heard about you so it's like what what have i why have i heard about you so i'm digging into it and there's some pretty incredible things and, and i want to read just a couple of things and i don't want to embarrass you in any way but uh, certainly there was some stuff in there that just kind of slaps you in the face when you read it but the first thing i want to read is actually a um a quote from dennis persley now was, was dennis your coach at any point Oh yeah. He, he's the one that took me from, um, I'm going to say being a good swimmer to setting my first world record. And that okay. all happened in a, basically a 12 month period. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let me read you what he said. So first of all, he says when she was a teenager, Mary showed no weaknesses. That's uh that's, that's pretty incredible, but he goes further into that. And he says, every athlete I've known had some form of weakness be it in terms of motivation, technique, or physical attributes, but Mary was the exception. So he's basically saying in terms of motivation, you were the, the best he'd seen. In terms of technique, it was it was sound, obviously, and then your physical attributes. And when I'm looking back at your record today, when you when you went that 205, which is the, the swim that kind of everybody talks about, he's right in the sense that you look, physically, you look like any athlete today. Like you looked abnormal for that time that you were extremely fit, extremely strong in that sense. Um, but, but you were only what five, five, seven, is that what you are? Five, seven, about 130 uh, I pounds. Think it was, I think I had reached my full height by then. So I was probably five, eight. Five, eight. And okay. I know in 81, when I set that world record, the one that you're talking about, the 205, mm. I just happened to go into an office. Someone wanted to talk to me about something and there was a scale in there and it cracks mm. me up. But I remember Wayne, I think it was like, I remember right, like 128, which mm. that was, I had not finished um, going through adolescence at mm. 128. So, yeah, well, you, I mean, you still look strong. So, but back in that day, obviously, everybody knows the, the history of swimming. It was all about yardage, right? So, you're swimming tons and tons of yards. But from your perspective, what was the type of work you were doing back around that time? So Denny is incorrect. I did have weaknesses. <laughs> they may have not really um, played a role or come out until later in my career. Obviously, when you set, go your fastest time when you're 16 years old and swim for seven more years and don't swim faster, 
you know, there, there is a problem there, but, um, I think, I think for some reason I was blessed with the ability to do a lot of long yardage butterfly, but some of that came from, I was a very obedient girl. I mean, I was raised in a, you know, kind of black and white family. I thrived under that. I thrived following the rules. Obviously I got a lot of, um, I had a lot of success at a young age for following the rules and and not just swimming, but school. I did really well in school, you know, Catholic faith. I still love my faith, but back then it was a little more black and white or it had been presented to me as being more black and white. And, you know, I got a lot of, um, I felt very loved by God um, Mm. back then. So, you know, yeah, I just, things came together at a young age for me where I could do what I did in the pool. Were you, were you one of many in a family? Was, is that right? Were you? I, I was the 10th child in my family out of 11. I have one younger sister. Wow. That's, uh, that's wild. What's that like growing up in a family like that? Well, I loved it. And I think most of my sisters would say they loved it. Um, even though we had very strict parents, they were also very loving Mm-hmm. So, and fun, playful. So um, I think it was a really good balance. Um, but it was also nice being just uh, one of the clan. I never felt like I was under the microscope with my parents. Mm-hmm. Even when I started having success, I think one of the things they did so well was hide from me what it's like to be the parent of a of an athlete, you know, any athlete, I have two grown kids now and, you know, it's hard to be on the sidelines. And yeah, yeah. so I think they did such a nice job just kind of pretending like, Oh, good job. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's go to church tomorrow. Okay. You know? <laughs> no big deal, whatever. But like, yeah. there's a lot of moving around. If you've got 11 kids as well, like there's a lot of discipline when it comes to swim practice. I mean, you got to get up at a certain time. You got to be there. I mean, I'm sure back then you're doing, you're probably doing doubles. You're probably in the pool, maybe like four hours a day. So it's like, there's a lot of moving parts there, especially with 11 kids. So how did they manage all that? They paid people to drive me to and from practice. <laughs> okay, good. <Yeah. laughs> basically what they did. And no one in my, no, that's not true. My older sister got a car when she turned 16 because she was a ballerina and she was doing long hours. Um, oh, that's lady. true. Yeah. I guess, I guess there's always someone older than you to drive you, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was. Yeah. There was. Yeah. But was was everybody doing some sort of sport? Why were you swimming? My dad helped renovate a country club um, when, you know, years, you know, when my older sisters were young. And so we were, you know, members of that country club in Louisville, Kentucky. And so we all learned to swim at a young age. That's that. Those were the days that it wasn't irresponsible for your mom to drop you off. Mm. for some practice and not come back until five o'clock at night to pick you up. Yeah. The lifeguards took care of us and my older siblings took care of us. And so we lived at the pool in the summer. And so, but from a young age, I had a lot of success and right away from in butterfly for some reason. I mean, I think I was first put on a relay to swim butterfly when I was five years old. And oh, wow. um, so, yeah, it just, and, but all my family, I mean, we were encouraged to do a lot of, so as I said, my sister right above me was a ballerina, um, but I had a sister in politics. She actually served in Congress for mm. 
eight or 10 years and wow. um, in the Kentucky state legislature for quite a while. So all my sisters and brother, I only had one brother, um, we were encouraged to, um, you know, really dive into things. And so we did. Oh, hang on, that, that, that just hit me there. So you had, there was 11 kids and there was only one boy? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so, I know everyone says, oh, your poor brother. And it's like, well, wait a second. He's the only one that got his own bedroom. He never <laughs> had to wear hand-me-downs. <laughs> so, That's true. You know, there were some wow. advantages. That's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. One, one son. He must have been the golden child. What number was he? <laughs> he was fifth. He was fifth. My dad jokes and says all he ever wanted were two sons. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he tried, but uh, man, he keep getting girls. A lot, a lot of females in that house. Wow, uh, yeah. that's incredible. Um, you know, it, it's it is incredible when I really dig into the numbers. Why it makes sense that you were this mythical, you know, legend in in the world of swimming as I was growing up. You know, every time I went to a swim meet, it was always like, oh, Mary T would have won a medal there, or Mary T would have won that race. And you know, I'm hearing this in the the late '90s and early 2000s and all the way up. And I saw a stat, I was actually reading, there was a stat where it said, at the last Olympics in Tokyo, you would have actually finished fourth. 40 years later, with your time of 205, you still would have finished fourth at the Olympics. That's insane. I, I, I can't believe it. And it's funny, Brett, because I'm torn between being so proud, but also feeling like, oh, I wish I could put it together another <laughs> another great swim seven, you know within those seven years i mm. i do think i had more in me and mm. um i just once my body really well the good thing with doing it that time before i'd finished filling out is i was never accused of using steroids so i was mm. still you know quite a scrawny and so that's kind of nice to feel like there's no shadow mm. um mm. but certainly i should have been able to use my physical growth to go faster. And, um, you know, when I finished at 205, I felt like I could have done a turn and kept going. So yeah, it looked like it actually, it looked like yeah. you could have done a 300 at that pace. I, but, think, um, I, I think I descended that, that race. So you did. anyway, you know, for whatever reason, and, you know, maybe it was just to humble me because mm. I certainly thought that I was in control of my own destiny and, yeah. and yeah. to, to have to swim seven years and never go faster humbles you and makes you realize, no, there's some other, there's some other things that need to fall into place. Right. Look, look in, in a lot of ways, I think most swimmers can relate. You're, you're, you're talking, I can relate to that. Like there's, I swam professionally for seven years for Australia, traveled the world. And all I did was, was swim. And, and you always want, you always want to swim faster. First of all, like no matter what you do, you'll post a time and you think that was the easiest thing I could have done. And now, and now I'm going to go faster. And you always want that. So that I don't think that ever changes, um, but you know that there, there's always there's those times you you look back to and you think, wow, that was just so easy. How did how did I just do that so easily? And when I when I watch your two hundred five, I could see I could see you thinking that at the end of the race, like, what did I just do? That was so effortless. It was easy. You did change your race plan on that one, where you you did go out easier. You said you learned that lesson um, previously. You'd gone out a little too hard. So on this occasion. You know, as the commentators are talking, that they're saying, "Oh, she's going out easy. She's way off world record pace." You know, even at the 150, you're a, a second behind it or something like that. And then you just put on the jets and just just uh, rock at home and and look incredible. How much of that swim 
do you remember itself? And then, and then how often do you watch that swim? Oh, I, I rarely watch that swim. Um, really? Wow. yeah. So, so a couple funny things, I guess is yes, that was my strategy to go out a little slower. Now, I think it was two days or three days later is when I went my 57, nine in the hundred fly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and my coach looked at me then and said, Oh, had I known you had that in you, we, you know, I wouldn't have told you to go out as slow as you did in the 200 yeah. fly. So, you know, my technique must have just been right on. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, all the training from 1980, all that long distance and, you know, paid off in 81. 81 was more of a sprint training or quality. Um, you know, I wasn't sure I wanted to keep swimming. So uh, Bill Peak, then my coach at that time, um, just said, well, you know, just train once a day, you know, at least five days a week and, um, let's see what happens, see how you feel. And so with that different mentality and an emphasis more on quality, not quantity, it just, it all kind of fell into place. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah I do remember, I, I think in the hunter fly is what I remember diving in. I, I used to struggle with like my breakout. I just couldn't seem to time it right mm -hmm. and my turns you know it's like i hit at the half stroke and i do remember um feeling like especially in the hundred like wow i just nailed that dive like i, I could tell mm -hmm. i was totally streamlined hitting the water and i broke out right um i think my turn was right on um and in the 200 i think i remember my turns were right on but just yeah. just yeah just things fell into place uh look i'm sorry uh, i could talk to you for hours i've got so much stuff here by the way so like it's, uh, i'm so interested i'm so interested in your story it's just crazy like again like i've written the numbers down it just doesn't make sense but like i do want to say this that there's people that come along in swimming and they kind of shift the paradigm that they they move the sport forward obviously anytime anyone breaks a world record but there there are certain people that come along i think in in um you know relative terms uh Lately, you've been kind of compared to like a, a Katie Ledecky or like even an Adam Petey who, you know, they come along and they they take the, the the swim from where it is here and they shift it like three, four jumps ahead, right? Like Adam Petey went 56 in the 100 breast and the, you know, Katie Ledecky doing what she's doing in the 800 and the 1500 and, and just like, you know, winning races by 50 meters, right? So you, you were that person at that time. Um, did did you know it at that point? Like, were you? Did you just feel like you were so much better than everybody else? And not not in a cocky sense, but was it was it hard for you to compete because you were so much better? No, it was fun to compete. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, once again, where Denny is incorrect is, you know, once I got beat in 1982 for the first time, mm. it 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 pulled the rug out from underneath me. I mean, I lost a lot of confidence. I no longer felt in control of my destiny. And, mm. and I, you know, in hindsight, there weren't a lot of sports psychologists back then, but I, I could have yes. used probably someone to help me, um, look at things in a healthier way than, Oh, you know, crap, this is all just, this could all be for naught. And mm. so, um, you know, that, that really made me struggle. But, you know, before then, no, it was fun. And and even after that, you know, the times that I was feeling good, it was, it was fun. But I will say by the time I got to 88 and I wasn't feeling good and I wasn't confident, 
I didn't know what was going on. Like, gosh, did mm. I miss my paper? Did I not train correctly? That was a hard Olympics. That was a really hard Olympics. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, luckily someone before I competed said, look, you just got to give it a hundred percent. That's how you'll live with whatever happens. And so even after the hundred that I got seventh and so disappointing, you know, with my time and everything, I really stayed engaged. I really stayed, tried to do everything I possibly could eat, mm -hmm. sleep, you know, swim, everything. And that is how I can live with 1988. Um, it, it's hard. It's one of those bruises, you know, when mm. you get to the end of your life, you're going to be bruised up and broken nails and, you know, hair on fire. Well, you know, that will always be a bruise. But as my husband said to me at one point, well, do you wish none of it had happened? Mm. And right away, I was like, no, I'd do it all again in a second. And he's like, then mm. get over it. And isn't it funny like as as athletes and competitors it seems like you're hanging on to the stuff the, the regret a little bit and the, and the times that you, you weren't successful and the times that you couldn't overcome but like we as people like i said people talk about you as this mythical creature like everywhere we go it's mary t this mary t that and we th we remember the the powerful mary t the one that was breaking world records the one that was shifting the paradigm that's what people remember and yet here you are remembering like the times that you failed you know like isn't it's so crazy how it's out of whack there isn't it yeah it and and that my husband saying that to me really did make me turn that so while maybe i've spoken about my failures i am so grateful for yeah. you know every the good and um yeah. you know it it just um yeah the, and, and i'm grateful that people don't hang on to the bad because in this in today's world it seems like the media is always looking for right. a star oh, yeah. to bring down oh, yeah. so it's really i'm grateful that people are remembering the good well that's what even when i first reached out to you you're like what do you want to talk to me for i'm like are you kidding me why wouldn't i want to talk to you are you like you're one of the legends of of the world swimming of course i want to talk to you we individualize training in the pool so why not individualize your nutrition Erica Biney of Biney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available, so go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. No, tell me this in, in 80, what was 80 to you? Was it, was that your, were you at your peak or you, you were you coming into your peak just after that? I mean, obviously you broke the world records in, in 81 as well, 
But in 80, well, how did that affect you when you couldn't go to the Olympics? Um, it did not affect me nearly as much as it did others. Um, first of all, I had had a quick rise. So from, you know, 78 to 79 is when I went from being good to setting my first world record. Mm -hmm. So there was really only one year, um, I guess being the 10th child of my family, <laughs> we just, we didn't have, we had one TV and, you know, I don't even remember watching the Olympics much before mm. that. So the Olympics weren't something I shot for from a young age. It was a one-year goal that my coach and I set, Denny and I set. So it won like others. Plus, I was still so young, and I'm going to say naive, maybe it was cocky, that I kind of was like, well, if I want to go in 84, I'll just keep trying 84. Mm. And, you know, so um, that was when I was still a little naive and not understanding, um, you know, what what I'm going to say, we the opportunity we were denied. So. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, you know, we're, we're 20 minutes into this thing and, and you haven't even mentioned 84 in terms of winning and being successful. I mean, you you won what, three golds in 84. Like most people would, that would be like the centerpiece of like, yeah, I went to the Olympics and I won. How, how does, how did 80, how was 84 for you? Like I'm, I'm getting the feeling well, that there was something there as well. Yeah, well, they boycotted back, right? So yes, I won uh, and a lot of us won, but our uh, biggest competition wasn't there. Okay, so all right, so you're hanging on to that a little bit. Oh, that is wow. one of my best times. So, you know, okay. I was luckily with swimming, we can look at times and at the end of the world rankings or, you know, the year rankings, you know, I could still say, well, I probably would have won. But there's nothing like standing up next to your biggest competition and doing it head to head. Okay. All right. It's making sense now. It's making sense. All right. You're, you, I do feel like you need someone to pump you up a little bit. We need to get like a team of people around you. Like, well, tell you how amazing really you are. I, I, <laughs> my life is really good. I'm, yeah. Do your, do your kids know much of this history of you? They did not until what Olympic trials was that? 2012, maybe mm. 20, 2012, I think it was. And uh, at the Olympic trials, they always the swimming does a great job of having a reunion for previous, you know, national team members. So I went, took them with me, and um, they asked if I would be interviewed on the pool deck in between events. And so I went down for the interview, and it was so touching, Brett. I'll it 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 is one of the top, I'd say, three highlights of my life, mm. where they introduced me on the deck. And I got a standing ovation that they they really couldn't even ask me questions um, because they ran out of time. And <laughs> I, I was shocked. And then when I got back up in the stands, I remember my daughter going, OK, that was weird. <laughs> and I bet they Googled me at that point <laughs> to find out what that was all about. So, um, no, yeah. I made the decision to become Mary Plant. You know, my husband was Olympian. He was a speed skater. He's also a very big personality. And, you know. Is he American? He is. He was a speed okay. skater in 80. So you, 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 you end up marrying a guy that goes to the Winter Olympics. Yeah. I've gotten <laughs> to know. We've gone to more Winter Olympics than Summer Olympics. Oh, really? Oh, oh wow. yeah. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's been nice, too, is unlike maybe other athletes, I've still been able to enjoy 
a lot of that. He's been on the board of directors, or he was for of the Olympic Committee for years, and oh. president of speed skating. You know, so. Okay. Um, but he's also he also has a very big job here, and so I just I kind of made the choice to be a stay at home mom and Mary Plant and not try to help my kids not live under that shadow. Mm. Well, I'm bringing I'm I'm bringing the shadow back out because I think I'm 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 just a massive fan. You know, like I said, there's no way. Like I've I've heard about you for years and years and years. So when did they start this um, Madam Butterfly thing? When did that come about? I don't I don't really even know to be honest with you. I don't I'm guessing 84 or 86 maybe. I don't mm. really know. Mm. But um it just yeah, stuck, it has certainly stuck and mm. So the funny thing is, I will say, several years after my career ended, someone says to me, so do you ever get offended that your nickname's Madam Butterfly? And I was like, <laughs> uh, no, why? And they go, well, you do know the story of Madam Butterfly, right? And I was like, uh, I guess I don't. I don't <laughs> either. Tell me, what's the it story? It doesn't end well. It doesn't end well. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, I was like, oh, gosh, like. But anyway, I know I know everyone <laughs> thinks of it as in a positive way. Yeah, I know it is. It's it's certainly positive. Well, I guess the way that I came into contact with it is is, you know, a, a swimmer that I grew up with was Susie O'Neill, and I guess Susie was the one that ended up breaking your yeah. world record for the first time. I think that what I wrote down here, I think it was 19 years later. So at the 2000 Olympic trials, I'm swimming, I'm trying to make the Olympic team. But um, but I'm there as as you know somebody um, competing, and then uh, Susie O'Neill comes out and does her thing at the trials and and breaks your world record, and then they they start to nickname her Madam Butterfly. How'd you feel about her taking your your nickname? Oh, I was fine, and I was totally <laughs> thrilled with it. You know, she and I haven't seen each other or talked much, but you know, I had read enough to know that she's just such a nice, you know, young. At that time, young lady, we're older now. Mm. Sorry, Susie, mm -hmm. we're older now. But you know, and I just totally admire the fact that she chose to not use the faster swimsuit. She wanted to break my record mm. in the same type of swimsuit that I swam in. And you know what? Not many people would have made that choice. So yeah, that that yeah. was a class class act, class decision on her part, and she totally deserves the recognition. That's great. She will absolutely be listening to this. So um, she'll, she'll be thrilled that you said that. And she, she's a beautiful person. She's a good person. And she reminds me of you, like in terms of just the work ethic and just the, the, the standard of competition, like she's held herself to a very high standard. She worked very hard. Um, I know it meant a lot to her to break that world record. I've actually interviewed her on, on this podcast as well, but um, you know, it, let's just put it in perspective. So the first time, the first time you do break the world record in the 200 flies, 79, I believe. And at that point, I wrote down here, it was 209.87. So 209.8, you break the world record in 79. And then two years later, you, you take it to the, to the mind-blowing 205.9. So um, mm -hmm. in, that, in that two years, you just felt like it was kind of a shift in training. You, what did you do in that two years to drop those four seconds? So I had... I mean, first of all, I continued to grow physically, okay, but yeah. um, no, it was training under Denny and Bill Peak. Um, you know, as I said, I had only trained with Denny. Basically, I was with one team in Louisville, big rivalry, 
and that mm -hmm. team went bankrupt. And so mm -hmm. if any of us were going to continue to swim you around, which for a while I, I, I told my parents I'd rather quit than swim for uh, Lakeside, who was the, the mm -hmm. rival team. But they said, okay, try it for four months. Just see how you like it for four months. So, of course, by four months, I was <laughs> on the team and doing well. So, anyway, I had a rival. Um, I don't know if you remember the name, Lisa Beasy. Mm -hmm. But she was a butterflyer. She also made the 1980 Olympic team in butterfly and freestyle. And we just, our rivalry was deep and it was it was not good. <laughs> I mean, so, um, like in know, the practice pool, you're talking about? Oh, yeah. Every day. Oh, yeah. Really? Every day. We went oh. head to head. And, oh. um, you know, Denny was smart in that because Butterfly, you know, has such a wide stroke. Right. He would have us come in a half hour after the rest of the team in the morning and then stay an extra half hour, and all the Butterflyers got their own lane. So we were all head to head for a mm. half hour and that's oh. when we did those long grueling butterfly sets like what give me an example of what you were doing back then so he would rotate through um three was it three eight hundreds butterfly what and then 12 two hundreds butterfly and um like three sets of 10 100 butterfly and is this a long course pool uh well out it was indoor short course in the short winter course. and then long mm -hmm. course okay and um you know they were all short rest basically i mean so like the 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 200s fly what what are you doing them on oh i can't i can't remember but i probably for uh, the 200s i bet we got 15 10 15 seconds rest in between each one he was big into descending Okay. Which is why in 1980, I, he left for Cincinnati. So a bunch of us went and trained with him, Cincinnati, not knowing we were going to boycott. And that Cincinnati team, we won so many races in the last 50 and 25 yard or meters. Mm -hmm. And it was all because that's, that's kind of what we did all the time. And he was so good about just saying, you know, just, descend start thinking start concentrating on your stroke when you're getting tired don't think about getting tired think about your stroke how can i take one stroke less how can i do this turn a little faster and mm. he just he was one of those coaches that cheered every time you took a breath you could hear him cheering for you and wow. so just a positive um experience where you overcame the pain and the lactic acid i mean many a times we you know, threw up or got close to throwing up. And that mm. was just, that kind of became normal. Wow. What was your favorite type of set? What, what set did you thrive in? Probably descending, um, what do you call it? Descending uh -huh. distance sets. So, uh -huh. you know, the 500, 400, 300, 200, 100, you know, go through that three times or whatever. And Butterfly. Oh no, that that was usually freestyle or iron. okay. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> wow, um, but but I, I mean, I'm laughing at that, but I'm sure you did some crazy. But I mean, three eight hundreds butterfly seems crazy to me. Yeah. Was there a rule back then that you couldn't break stroke? Oh, we never. I don't think we ever broke stroke. Did you slap we hands not. a lot? We no, I don't think. Did, did you guys slap hands though? Like if you're coming past someone, did you did you smack hands? 
Maybe, but you, you know, you just get so used to, it. I mean, even to this day, I can swim in our community pool and I can judge whether or not I need to do a little <laughs> stroke like that, or if I can go out in a normal freestyle. I don't do butterfly anymore, but. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I, I talked about, yeah, the, the, the 209 to 205. The other, the other really cool stat that I saw is that no one had ever broken 59 seconds before you did it, but not only did you break 59, but you also broke 58 on the same swim. So you went straight past, you know, 58 to 57. So, um, like you said, that, that was a, that was a bit of a shock to yeah. know that you had that type of speed too, right? Yeah, it was, as I said, my coach, I did that after the 200 fly. And I think, you know, we agreed, I probably would have taken out my hundred, my 200 fly faster had we known that a 57 was in me. But yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken, I don't think I ever went 58 except um, a relay split. I think I went that 57 one time. I don't know if I ever went 58 in a flat start. Oh, really? Oh, wow. So that was just, I guess you, I guess you were just having to meet that meet, right? Like you, things were just on and things that click, you know, you have those meets where it just all clicks and you, you can't fully understand why. And you think you can replicate it every single day because it just kind of all fell into place. But you do have those moments where things just fall and in, fall into place and you have those meets that it clicks and, and, and then you, you go on this eternal search to replicate yeah. it, right? Sure. Yeah. Oh, 88. I mean, I, you know, do I want to stay with my college team? Do I want to, you know, sorry. Um, right. Do I want to stay with my college team? Do I want to go back to Louisville and train with the group there? Do I want to, you know, I ended up in Virginia Beach with the swim coach I had in 81. You know, mm. and in hindsight, it's silly. I was trying to recreate you know, the, the training that I did in, in 81, but I'm right. seven years older, you know, right. it was like, well, that was dumb in hindsight, yeah. but you know, I was searching, trying to figure out how I could get back there. And I was willing to do the work if it, you know, if that's what it took, but. At that stage, you're probably in your, um, you know, early twenties, mid twenties. Right. So I, I'd imagine, you know, most people back then, um, couldn't afford to swim, you know, it was, it was, you had to go to work, you know, you're probably on the older side at that stage. So how were you affording to do this at that point? Oh, it was very humbling because I graduated from college and a lot of my friends got these amazing jobs, you know, Bain and <laughs> Bain Consulting and McKenzie and all this stuff. And, you know, I wasn't making enough money to support myself. So I'm still having to call my dad and say, mm. can you send me 500 bucks? <laughs> you know, mm. I need to pay my rent or whatever. So wow. it was humbling. You know, there could have been a financial reward um, had I done better at the end, but I didn't. And so, you know, I just, it, it was what it was. And um, there wasn't a chance to cash in after uh, like LA, like, you know, with those gold medals, you, you couldn't have done something there. No, because I was, I still wanted to swim in college. All oh, right. So yeah, that, a lot of people don't know that you, you went to Cal Berkeley, right? I did. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Why'd you choose Cal? Uh, um, I went on a lot of recruiting trips and I did feel most comfortable there with the team. I, you know, didn't drink a lot. I wasn't sure after 84 how hard I wanted to train. So I wanted a place where I'd be happy at, even if 
swimming became less important to me after 84. And, um, but I have to admit, I had a boyfriend that went there too. So that was a lot of my incentive. What was, who was the coach there at that point? Karen Moe. Karen Moe used to hold the world record in the 200 meter butterfly. She won the Olympic gold in 72. Okay. So So you at least felt like she knew what she was doing then. Yes. It made sense. She, she definitely had a different, um, personality and motivation. Uh-huh. Um, I had to grow up a lot under her. I, I, as I said, I had so much success just doing what people told me and she, she wanted to teach me how to be self-motivated. Right. So I had some growing pains in college for sure. It was difficult for someone that's been used to being told what to do. It's difficult to now say, Hey, you got some freedom to make some decisions. Yes. Yes. Right. And I'm going to write the, the workout up on the board and you do it and I'll see you tonight or I'll see you this afternoon. And oh, I was so used to having a coach. Oh, give con- you know, feedback, constant feedback. And mm. it took me a while to be able to push myself for my own, you know, for my own, you know, benefit rather than because a coach is watching me. Right. Event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. It's called Swim Nerd Live. And it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device. There are so many things you can do with this software. A very simple and easy to use necessity for any team or facility that is live streaming their meets results. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more. Now, did you walk away after 88? Was that it? 88, you went to the Olympics and then you said, I'm done, that I've had enough? Yeah, there there was a small part of me that felt like, gosh, should I go one more year just to enjoy um, maybe traveling internationally, you know, competing internationally a little bit? And would my hard work from 88 maybe pay off? Maybe I'd even go a little faster with the training I had done for 88 that didn't seem to, Mm. you know, pay off. Right. But I was burned out. I was burned out mentally. I was burned out physically. I, as I said, all my friends had seemingly had these great jobs and I was like, Oh gosh, I just, I just want to, you know, kind of enter that next phase of my life. And yeah. And it seems like you've done, you did that too. Like it's almost seems like there was a uh, removal uh, from swimming in your life, maybe like, you know, there are a lot of people that, that stay connected to it or somehow, you know, bring themselves back in, but it seemed like you just disappeared from swimming. Is that correct or not? Um, so I did do clinics and, you know, I'm grateful people paid me to come give clinics at their club. So Mm -hmm. I didn't completely. And then I met my husband because the Olympic committee has a group called the athletes advisory council, the AAC. And I was the swimming rep to that athletes group and he was the speed skating rep. So I was still representing swimming at the Olympic committee level. And so I I wouldn't say I completely stepped away, but I did, um, I did try to jump into the next phase of my life. Do you watch swimming now? Is it, is it something that you're able to now come back to and have pleasure watching? I never, I never not watch it when I have the opportunity, but, um, 
I don't feel like I have a ton of opportunity. Um, yeah. You know. What about the Olympics? Do you watch the Olympics? Uh, yeah, when I can. I, I was in a remote place for uh, the Tokyo Olympics and unbelievably all I watched was women's weightlifting one day. That was the only thing I saw the whole time. And I actually got caught up in it. I, I had never watched it before. I didn't even know how it works. So, <laughs> yeah. um, no, I love swimming and I, I look at it like it's so graceful. And so the good swimmers, um, just they're, it's so it is, it's just, um, what do you call it? It's an art or something. I mean, it is beautiful to watch good swimming yeah. and, and exciting. So yeah. I never choose not to watch it. I, yeah. I can't say I seek it out. Right, right. Um, one of the things I did overlook, and I, and I wanted to mention this, is that uh, th this interview was lined up by a team, former teammate of yours, Glenn Mills. Glenn's, Glenn's a great guy. Yeah. Glenn said that you, that he witnessed you breaking a world record in practice. Is that correct? I, I don't remember that. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know. I don't remember that. Maybe it was a broken, maybe it was like a, two, a broken 200 butterfly. Oh but, no, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get to the bottom yeah, of that. After digging I'm seeing him tonight. So oh, okay. after a beer or two, I'll, I'll belly up to the bar and find out what he was talking about. <laughs> now, uh, when, when were you um, inducted into the swimming hall of fame? Well, I guess it probably was 1993. I think they make you wait five years. Okay, yeah, pretty pretty quick after that. Yeah. Must have been a proud moment, though. Like to to for that to happen. Sure, you know that that's right. Kind of the start of gaining a perspective on your mm. career. So yes, okay. it was very meaningful, and probably um, one of the um, most meaningful, more meaningful times. Just because, you know, after five years and another Olympics have gone by, you start realizing and appreciating what you accomplished. Yeah. Do you have, um, I mean, it seems like now you've, you've, you've had some perspective over these, over these years. Like, do you still look back with any regrets now or has all that kind of been left behind? Sure. No, I mean, I'm not going to say. I, I'm so grateful more than anything. And um, as I said, I'd do it all again, even with um, how my career ended and the, you know, less than ideal decisions that I made sometimes. But no, I, I have regrets. I'm, it, I tried, you know, um, I was trying all the time to make the best decisions, but there were, there were decisions that were made that were not ideal as i said and and probably mm. contributed to me not resetting my world records um i you know i was immature in ways i think you know you're traveling the world in some ways you're you you outgrow people of right. the same age yeah. but in other ways i allowed myself to be directed by other people and mm. that that keeps you immature in some ways. And so I had this, I had a lot of growing pains that all Olympians talk about or elite athletes, I should even say, talk about. And um, I hit rock bottom and probably 19, uh, yeah, for, um, gosh, I was 26. So I finished my career in 23 and in 26, I hit rock bottom and luckily just had a fabulous counselor in, in Louisville that 
just my sister knew of her. So mm. I got her so lucky. She helped me change a lot of the paradigms that I had based decision-making on and, and um, you know, just perspectives. And luckily mm. with some tweaking, I, um, you know, was able to make that transition. Right. And then with a husband, as I said, yeah. as a, husband, a little tough love from him sometimes. <laughs> now he, here he, you know, worked so hard and he made an 80 team and that was all Eric Hyden. He was a alternate, so he didn't even get to compete because no mm. one got hurt or sick. And then 84, he, he was one of the best in the world. He was winning world championships and he got the flu right before the um, trials and he didn't even make the team. Oh, wow. And, you know, so here's a guy, you know, they they don't even go to college because they're over in Europe all winter. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, he finished his career without an education and without, you know, any medals to show. But he works. <laughs> oh, he's so cute. You know, he's always for years. He's introduced the two of us as, um, you know, most people know that both Mary and I are Olympians. <laughs> Between the two of us, we have five Olympic medals. <laughs> And then he says, she has five and I have zero. <laughs> but now he works for the Atlanta Braves for 20 oh. years and they oh, finally won wow. a World Series. So he oh, that's right. playing yeah. last year yeah. and uh, yeah. I think he feels complete now. There you go. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> now you got to introduce him, you know, differently. So yeah, exactly. that's, that's very cool. Um, what, what about this? One other thing here. What about the no goggles? Why were you not wearing goggles? Cause I didn't trust that they didn't fall off when I dove in. So Did you wear them in practice? I started wearing them in practice when I was, um, I remember that actually, cause I would wear them for half a practice. Not sure I really liked them. Um, when I was 12 years old mm. is when I started wearing goggles in practice. Okay. But you, you, you're wearing them in practice, but then how do you feel comfortable not wearing them? I get, I get the whole slip off your head and that kind of thing, but I mean, you're practicing, so you, you can figure it out. But um, to me, it would be more detrimental to be getting water in your eye. How did you see where you were going? You know, when you just, when you train that way, you just know it. But one of the, one of the things that actually converted me to goggles was making sure that my cap, I started wearing a cap too. Oh. And so to keep the cap on, it's better to wear goggles. So then you just had to make sure you found goggles that didn't leak or fall off. Did you wear goggles in 88 at the Olympics? Yes. But then okay. by 84, uh, actually, I don't know if I wore goggles in 84, but 88, I was definitely wearing goggles. I haven't, I haven't looked at the 84 race. I need to go check that out. But um, yeah, well, look, this has been a real pleasure. I know, I know you're strapped for time and, and you are super busy and I really appreciate this. This has been um, a huge honor for me. Like, like I said, this is, you're a legend. You are, whether you like it or not, you're just a legend. So well, um, thank you. Yeah, I think it's my understanding. I'm going to see you this weekend, right? Well, I was, I was, I was supposed to be coming down. I've got oh. some um, family stuff that I have to take care of. So yeah, family oh. takes precedence. So um, unfortunately, my 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 producer Nate will be down there. So you'll get to meet Nate. Okay. He's a he's a massive swim nerd. Big fan of yours too. I actually called him before this, and I was like, Nate, what should I talk about? What should I ask? And he was like, <laughs> Give me all this stuff. So he, you'll meet him this weekend. He's awesome, okay. and um, that'll good. be really cool. It seems like it's going to be a good weekend. So I got I got two buddies. John Sieben. John Sieben's going to be there. He um, is not. Oh John my Sieben. gosh. John Sieben. Yeah, yeah. 
he's going and he's in i believe his wife's coming with him maybe his kids are coming too but yeah john steven and then michael clem will be there so two okay. good two good oh, friends yeah. of mine and um two I aussies so rumor yeah. was gareth sykes was gonna make it Oh, know. I'm not sure. He's British, I think. He's not Australian, so. Okay, well, yeah. Anyway. I mean, it seems like it's going to be a, a big one. I think there's some surprises going on this weekend at the, at the Swimming Hall of Fame. So it'll be pretty cool. But um, all right, well, I'll let you know when this comes out. Probably after the, this weekend, you'll have a great weekend. So um, enjoy it. Thanks okay. for doing this. Great to catch up. Um, thanks for, you know, taking me through your career and learning a little bit about you. Um, I hope you feel more comfortable with with talking about yourself a little bit more in the future. And and I would recommend sitting down with your with your kids and saying, "Hey, we're going to watch this world record swim. This is what this is when mum was at her best. Check this out." So, yeah, it's cool. It's inspiring. So, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, take care. I've enjoyed it. Thanks. All right, bye. Bye. Vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over thirty years. Vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch. Add a few Vasa trainers to your pool deck and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool. Go to vasatrainer.com, use code BREAD at checkout and get 10% off anything from Vasa. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, -T, at checkout destromachines.com